I put the title up there because I want everybody to see it. Why man? Not why man versus woman, but why man? When Justin and I decided to start this series, what we did was we came up with the questions. And it seems like when you're talking to people outside of this church, it always begins with why. Why do y'all run aisles? Why do y'all do this? Why do you do that? Why don't you do this? And a lot of people are asking questions why because, number one, their church is not answering it, or number two, they're in the world and they don't know why. They've never been around anybody that would ever answer their questions for them. So we've gone down a list um, with people because when you witness long enough, You'll always start off with, well, let me ask you a question. That's the way people, when they want to talk to you about Jesus, will start. And they'll say, why do y'all do this? Why do y'all believe that? And we've covered a lot of those. Why do we tithe? Why do we run aisles and jump pews? You know, in our church, we believe in doing things decently and in order. So that means that if you run, run the same direction. Now you know. Now my question is, why are y'all here? So anyway, so one of the questions that pops up, and I kind of changed it a little bit, people say, well, I wasn't asked to be born, so why am I here? That's a pretty good question when you think about it. Why did God do what he did? Why did he make man to begin with? fellowship? You know, that's a good question because if it's not answered, there's a lot of things that go on. Why does God allow stuff to happen? Why did God allow this? Why? And there's a lot of those questions are answered in the book of Genesis when you understand why God made man at all. Why did he make you? Why are you even here? That's a pretty good question. What's your purpose? So I want to start off by saying, uh, and I left my notes at home. I left them in my Bible, and I grabbed my other Bible, because, and I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I did that. But the first question you have to ask is, why do we even have a universe? Why did he make the universe the way he made it? I mean, it is huge. It's massive. And you have to ask the question, a lot of gas out there, a lot of stars, a lot of planets, and there doesn't seem to be any reason. Now, let me, let me back up here a minute and say this. The fact that no one is even asking this question in religious circles is amazing. Why creation? Why? We got the monkey see, monkey do theory um, that we all came from a bunch of monkeys. We're going to prove that isn't really true. There's no way that could have even happened. But we're going to get into it. And I'm going to, I'm going to read some things. Why the universe? So I'm going to give you the answer to that. The reason God made the universe was for the earth. The reason for the universe is a habitation for this planet. Now, I'm going to see if I can find it since I don't have my notes. 
when God made the earth, everything about it had to be so perfect for us to live here. We, the idea that it just happened is, is so far off of crazy. For instance, and I'm going to read out a Federer in a minute, if the earth was 2% closer to the sun, it would burn up. If it was only 2% further, it would freeze. If it wasn't tilted, then there would be no seasons. If the, if the moon wasn't exactly where it is, at the exact size that it is, then the oceans would flood the earth. So the fact that God created this universe, all of the planets in our solar system are like a huge clock. For instance, we have finally discovered the reason for Jupiter, Jupiter is two and a half times larger than any planet in the solar system. And the reason for it is all of the trash that's out in the universe that comes through our solar system comes into the gravitational pull of Jupiter and none of it hits Earth. God created this very, very precise. The sun, it cannot be just any star. It has to be a certain color star in order to support life here. Any other color would not have worked. It had to have been the, the sun that we have. So there is also a lot of activity that goes on out in the Milky Way's that causes the gravitational pull. So the gravitational pull of the earth itself is, uh, it is, it is so precise that if the earth wasn't spinning at the degree that it's spinning and the weight that it is, it would blow off out into the solar system. But because of its spinning and its weight, he stays in orbit. And if it slows down any, it'll be sucked into the sun. So there is nothing going on out there that's happenstance. There's another thing that scientists have figured out. And every time the scientists get together and start finding this stuff out, the more they believe there is a God. Had not the earth had a molten core... We wouldn't have gravity, and again, the gravitational pull of the earth would not be working with the sun, and, and it would spin off out into space. So everything that's happening on the earth, even stars that float around us, have a gravitational, they, they affect the, the earth, its spin, its cycles, it's like a massive Rolex. And when you stop and think about it, so you say, well, wait a minute. If, if God did all of that in the universe, then he had to have a reason he did it. And the reason that he did it was in order to have a plant, a planet that could be habitated by a human. Now think about that for a minute. And in other words, everything that happened had to be very, very precise. 
So then, then we come back to then why do we even have an earth? Why did God go to the trouble to make an earth? Now let's kind of blow a few theories out and I'm going to give you an opinion. Not necessarily Bible, but it's my opinion. When we say that God made the heavens and the earth in six days and on the seventh day he rested, I believe that is accurate that he did that in exactly six days. But I don't believe that the planning of it was done in six days. There is like 2,000 different plants that we can eat. In the trees, there's a tree for everything. Not all wood is created equal. Some are hard like oak for dressers. Some are made for fence posts that never rot. Some are impregnated with, with uh, salt water, and so, so pests don't bother them. Some are softwoods. Some are, every, there's woods for building. There's, I don't know whether you understand this, yellow pine is what you make trusses out of, or they used to, and you build houses out of it. It's literally forever. White pine, pretty much not going to last as long as you own your house. Thank you all for y'all's enthusiasm. But every tree has a purpose. What about animals? There's like 200 animals that can be domesticated. The horse, even though it just happened, was created with a place for bit. And the animal can have a bit and eat. Now, not another animal out there that has a space in its teeth for a bit. Not a zebra, because you ain't riding one. You can't even tame the thing. So, we all know we don't even need to talk about cats and dogs, but the dog didn't come from a wolf, contrary to what they told you in, in biology, because you can't, you can't tame a wolf. You might take him home and pet him a little bit, but after a while, he'll remember that he's the predator. And there, there was a man, I read a story one time, he went to live with the bears, and he joined them. They ate him. <laughs> Somebody needs to remind people that the bear has never seen Disney. They do not know they're cute and cuddly. And you look delicious. But in animals, you know, when you stop and think about the fact that there's a dog for everything. There, when, my, when I was growing up, y'all are going to think I'm a little nuts right now, but I'm going to tell you a story. My mother, I wanted a hunting dog and my sisters wanted a poodle, for God's sake. So they got their poodle. Until one day... Their dog that they cut it and they put ribbons, that dog liked me and did not like my sisters. And every time I got my rifle that my mother didn't know I had until one day in service, when I saw her turning red hot and while I'm preaching, it was the first time she found out that I had a rifle hidden under the house my whole boyhood and she never knew it. But I almost went to heaven that day. Anyway, 
I went down to the river and, and Prince pointed at a leaf. And I went home and said, that stupid dog thinks he's a bird dog. And my mother said, that stupid dog is a bird dog. The word poodle is French for water. The reason they cut their joints that way is to keep their joints from freezing. The poodle is the most intelligent dog in the world. You say, why don't more people use them? Because they can catch all childhood diseases and you have to keep them in the house. You can't treat them like a dog. You got to treat them like a person. And they don't have fur. They have hair. And so that's why you're constantly cutting them. And so the, only the rich had them. But that dog, when I found that out, I went, there's a God and I got me a hunting dog. And that dog would get my horse and take it out and put it up and close the gate. And that dog was flat. We had to spell around him if we wanted to hide anything from him because he understood everything you said. And so I had my own dog. But, you know, I, I'm amazed watching dogs that know that they're, they're, they're supposed to take care of sheep. Dogs that know they're to protect people dogs that know and yet when you stop and you think there has to be more going on than happenstance so when God created all of this he created all of the universe and he created all of the earth and everything on it for one reason man you and I are the highest order that there is now you stop and think about the fact that we've never been told this. We've sort of thought we were just sort of a, the way we treat each other is not always good because the way God thinks about us and the way we think of people is very different. God thinks highly of you. As a matter of fact, we're going to get into how much he paid for you. So God's whole reason for making the universe, for making the earth, for making man, but then why did he do it? I'm going to read a scripture to you, and I'm going to I'm jumping way ahead of myself. In a, in the book of Ephesians, um, I think it's Ephesians. Yeah, Ephesians. Let me just dig this up and read it. For this reason, I bow my knee to the Father. Of the Lord Jesus Christ in whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. God's great desire was to have a family. Now think about that for a minute. He, has, we, he is love. One thing about his personality, love must give. Without giving, there is no love. You can, show, you can see how much you love by your giving. What you love, you give to. What you love, you spend money on. So God, we know in John three sixteen, for so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now God knowing that when he made man, he couldn't make man a robot. He could not do that. If he did, then, it, then there is no way in the world for you to be able to love him back that he would pre-program you to love him. He didn't want that. But knowing that, knowing that created him some, some you know, issues because there's a chance 
that people will fall away. Let me see if I, in this book right here is where I got that information about the earth. Um, um, about the, the inside, miraculous milestones, some of the stuff they found out about the universe. I did a pretty good job without reading it, didn't I? All right. So, so God's whole desire was for a family. And I'm going to read some stuff out of Kenyon. Christianity is not a religion. As much as you and I and the world is trying everything in their power to make it a religion, it is not. It's a family. We're the family of God. If we used our brains, we would understand this would eliminate racism. Because in the beginning, God made Adam. That means that everybody on the earth came out of Adam. I don't care who you are, where you came from. Then that's, there's one. Now that family became Adam's family. And, and there was a TV show that depicted that pretty well. <laughs> Bunch of crazy nuts. Then there's, then there's the new family which is Jesus' family. So after the mess up, God came back and created another family. And there's only two families. Now, I know that you get excited about your roots. Don't get too excited. Because there's nothing in your family tree but nuts. How do, how do I stand up and say I'm German knowing what Hitler did. How do I talk about being Welch, knowing what Morgan the Pirate, he's, he fell into the ocean when God judged Jamaica. So you can't brag on your, your, your roots, where you think you came from, that's your body. So when you got born again, you got a brand new father, and the whole point of Christianity was God wanted a family. And, and so let me, let me read another scripture to you before we get into this. John 14. Go to John 14. And you've heard me say this before, and it, it, sound, it contradicts religion so much. But religion has created a lot of doctrines in the church that you can't substantiate with the Bible. It's not in there. And one of them is the mansions in heaven. Now, before I get into that, let me help you with something. Hell is not the final resting place of the center. It's the county jail. All that happens when a man dies, did you know your spirit has weight? That when they weigh people, and there's a, they're on a scale, the moment they die, they lose several ounces of weight. The spirit leaves. Well, the gravity is pulling your spirit into the center of the earth. God didn't make the center of the earth to create hell. It's just you die without God, and you don't go to God, so you just depart, and gravity pulls you to the center of the earth. We call that hell, but, it's the, the, but the lake of fire is the final resting place of sinners after the great white throne judgment. 
Let's see, we talk, it's, it's almost like we never even talk about this stuff, ever, ever, ever. So, so what about heaven? Is heaven your home? No. It's God's home. It's not yours. It, it's a resting place before Jesus returns down here for the millennial reign. God made the earth for man. This is yours. This is yours forever. You say, well, what about the end of the world? There's no such thing. The word in the Greek is the end of age. This age is coming to an end. We're in the final throes of the, of the, of the Gentile. There's a time period that God gave to man on purpose knowing he's going to botch it. And that time period is 6,000 years. Now, once Adam committed high treason against God, then he took over the, the, the rulership of the earth. So we see the, how the God of the world, 1 Corinthians 4, 4, has blinded the minds of those that believe, not talking about Lucifer being the God of the world. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, it says, all of this authority I will give you. And the Bible calls it a real temptation, which means that Satan was telling the truth. Now, when Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, then he took that authority back, and now he's in authority and giving it to the church that still doesn't know what to do with it. But God put a time limit on man, 6,000 years, six days he created the earth, seventh he rested, so there's a thousand year reign, and the 6,000 ends 2029. That is the end. That is also the time the New World Order said they will take over. Listen, if you don't believe the Bible, just listen to the New World Order. They'll tell you what's going on. Boy, y'all are exciting to preach to. You say, that sounds like a conspiracy. Well, they're being very open about their conspiracy. So if I was you, I would look up. Well, soon and very soon, we're going to be getting out here. Now, go to John 14 so I can straighten out this mess I just made in your mind. John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. The word mansion is the Greek word dwelling place. Now, they didn't know when they wrote it how, let, let, let's, let me back up again. We've got to do a Bible study. There's three ways to translate a Bible, word for word, and then what the writer meant, and then paraphrase where you use a lot of words to explain one word. But you cannot translate Greek into English word for word. You can't do it. There's too many words that you can't find a word. It takes dozens. Does that make sense? For instance, love. We got one word. We love God. We love Lisa. We love peanut butter. That's really not, but yet the word phileo and eros and storge and, and agape, there's four Greek words, but yet we only translate them one word. And that means there's a lot of words that lose meaning. So, so someone came up with a women's Bible called the Amplified, and the reason they call it the women's Bible is it has more words in it. Okay, I just lost some of y'all right there. All right. So when they came to the scripture and it says dwelling place, 
they kind of went and went, ah, what, what kind of a dwelling place would God make? Must have been a mansion. But that's not what he meant at all. So let's read what he meant. And I'm not telling you you don't have a mansion when you get there because you might. But I will tell you this, you won't be, if you get raptured, you'll only be there a short while that you're coming back and that will become your summer home. I don't know what it'll become. I don't, I'm not that smart. But I know that people that have been there for several thousand years appreciate the fact that they're not just sitting in a pup tent, that God has made a house for them. So, and I know, I know that my mother-in-law got all over me every time I'd preach this because she'd say, Daryl. I don't think I understand all you're saying. In my father's, in my father's presence, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. Where? In heaven? No, in God. If any man is what? In Christ. So he's going to make a place for us back in God that Adam lost. So let me read it to you that way. Let me swing. In my father's presence are many dwelling places that we're not so old, I told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again. He's not talking about when he returns to the earth. He's talking about when he rose from the dead. And where and, and receive you to myself. When did you come back to him? When you were born again. So this has already happened. It's not something going to happen in the future if you're born again. And where I am, you may be also, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. Now, I'm going to read it wrong because everybody else reads it wrong. Why not read it wrong with everybody? Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't even know where you're going and how can we know the way? And Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to heaven but by me. Goes to where? He ain't talking about heaven at all. What was lost in the garden? Our walk with God. He says, I'm going to go and bring you back to God. I'm going to make a place for you in the Father. In other words, I'm going to die in your place and pay the debt. That, that eliminates, see, when a woman... She can't marry unless her husband dies. Jesus can't marry you if you're not dead. So sin had to kill you and separate you from the law that you were married to. And once you were dead in sins, now you can be raised from the dead and remarry. Or you couldn't have become a Christian. So sin had to kill you, separate you from God. So when Jesus went in the region of the damned and became sin, him who knew no sin became sin, that you might be made the righteousness of God, he took the penalty. So therefore, God cannot legally send a man to hell for sinning. And once he rose from the dead, all debts were paid. And now you can legally be joined to the Lord by faith in what he did through his blood. And once you do that, you and Jesus are one person. And you're married to him and because Jesus is in God you're now back in God and he made a place for you in the Father Amen. now I'm, I don't, now when you get to heaven I know you're going to look for your mansion and it's there 
But can I say this with all grace? Are, is that your big whoopee to go to heaven is to see a house? I, or, or does anybody in here want to see the Lord? I want to see, see hell would be heaven if Jesus was there. Heaven's heaven because Jesus is there. Not because there's a house that's been paid for. I want to see my mansion. I want to see Jesus. I want to see the guy that died for me. That's what I want to see. All right. I'm doing pretty good. At least y'all are grabbing it. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the way to the God. I am the truth about God. And I am the life of God. No one comes to Father God except through me. You're going to have to come to Jesus if you want to be born again. You get Buddha and ain't nobody else going to get you there. If you had known me, you would have known. All right. And if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Are we talking about God? We're, that's what we're talking about. And Philip said, show us the Father and it's sufficient for us or sufficeth us. And Jesus says, have I been with you so long and you don't know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. And how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? And the words I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the works themselves. How could I do what I'm doing if I didn't have the Father? That would explain why there's not a lot of miracles in churches now. God created you for fellowship. When fellowship is broken, you become carnal and all you want to do is just get back in the world and play with the world. And that's the most miserable human being on the earth is a Christian out of fellowship with God. You're more miserable than a sinner. You know how I know? When I was working construction, I was not in obedience to God. I was miserable. Now, I read my Bible and I went to church. So don't look at me in that tone of voice. You see, I'm not talking about relationship. Relationship was not broken. Fellowship was broken. Now, what broke it? What broke it? Well, we say sin, but let's get more specific. God wanted me to do what he wanted me to do his way. And I wanted to serve God my way. And, and I'm born again, and God is my father, but we are having a standoff. I'm praying every day that God would follow me. I told him what I wanted. I prayed about what I wanted. I made plans for what I wanted. And I couldn't get him to talk to me at all. He ignored me. I read scriptures to him. I quoted Mark eleven twenty three and 24. And I said, whatever I, I desire. Boy, y'all are fun to preach to. So there's one thing about when, say, he gives you something that's in redemption, but you, there was this great fear I had that he would one day ask me to do something like pastor. Amen, 
so as much as I love y'all, this is a hard job. I want you women to think about having a baby that never comes off the bottle and never comes out of diapers. That's church. There's somebody pooping somewhere, some just messing up something. We get it all straightened out and get the room cleaned up and someone else messes it all up again. And then once we get a bunch of people finally mature, then y'all go out and get them saved and we get a whole pile of babies back in here again. And y'all say, Pastor, have at it. We're going to the mall, you know. <laughs> now, listen, in all reality, um, anything God asks you to do, and this is a place that we have to, there's a, there's a physical suffering anytime God asks you to get in his will. Now, you know what I'm talking about. You, if you think you're going to walk with God and do what you want to do, you're sadly mistaken. Your flesh is going to go, but I don't want to live in a pop gun. I don't want to pastor a church, and I don't want to do that. I had my pilot's license. I had my Kenneth Copeland Bible. I had my Kenneth Copeland suit. I had my Kenneth Copeland everything. I'm ready to go preach, pray, prophesy, cast out devils, blow in, blow up, and blow out. And that is what I told God that him and I need to do, since there's people that need to be saved. And he said, come talk to me when you're ready to do what I want to do. I mean, he is like, he, a, I have a, he thinks he's God. <laughs> It'd be funny if it wasn't so true. Some of y'all have found that out. But his great desire was to have a family. Go to John 17. Turn the page. And I'll prove it to you one more time. Verse 1. Jesus spoke these words, lifted his eyes to heaven and said, Father. Now he got in trouble for calling God Father. That's not a word Muslims or Jews use with God. Daddy. They They don't use it. He's God. Elohim. Father. The hour has come, glorify your son, that your son will glorify you. And as you have given him authority over all flesh, then he would give eternal life to as many as you have given him. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God. That's eternal life, knowing God. That's heavy, isn't it? Now go to verse 20, 17, 20. I don't pray for these alone, talking about his disciples. He's going to pray for you now. But those who will believe on me through their word, that they would be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they will be one in us and the world believe you sent me and the glory that you gave me, I have given it to them that they may be one as we are one. What's he praying? He's praying that we would be one family. Now, all of us know this. There's nothing. Now, now you, sometimes you have to get older to understand it. There's nothing trumps your family. You don't have a house. You don't have a car. You don't have a boat or an airplane. You don't have anything that trumps your kids and your, and your, and your wife and your husband and your family. The most precious thing you have is people. And to God, he thinks exactly like you do. 
So he's very strict with his family. So church is his family. And it's imperative we get along with each other. Don't think he won't spank you. He will. You mess up, you start messing with, with all the rest of the family of God and causing trouble, and he'll pull you off on the side and go, I think you might need a spanking. All right. Christianity is not a religion, it's a family, a father and his children. The genius of Christianity is that God is the great family God of the universe. Christianity is not a science any more than your family is science. Christianity is not philosophy, but it is a revelation of divine human relationships. Christianity isn't theology. It is the reality of man's redemption and union with God. All right. Now, let's think about this for a minute. Uh, let's, let me back up here and go back into something that I want to talk about. Why is it that the world doesn't know this? Because there's two kinds of knowledge. Most people don't know this. There is a knowledge you pick up with your five physical senses. Now, you go to college, you go to school, you learn there are certain things that you can see and hear, touch, smell, and you can find knowledge out, certain knowledge. But there's a knowledge you cannot get without a relationship with God. In other words, how many people do you know in the world that are not born again that have the knowledge of God? Not any. Now, you're trying to give them knowledge and they need Jesus because until they get born again, they will never have the knowledge of God. You have to be in the family to get it. You see, that's why when you're sitting down trying to talk to a heathen about tithing, and uh, uh, stop. They're, you're not going to talk him into it. He's not, matter of fact, the money that we take up here is for him <laughs> to get him saved. Now think about that for a minute. So that is the reason why when you're born again, that through the Spirit of God, he begins teaching you who he is and how to walk with him. And he's a spirit, and you're a spirit. And when he created Adam, he created Adam to walk with him in the garden. Now go back to Genesis, and that's where we're going to, that's where I was trying to start a while ago. That was my introduction. No, the beginning of my sermon. No, I'm teasing. I'm just teasing. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. God said, let us make man, now he's talking mankind, in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the sea, over the birds, over the cattle, over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish, over the birds of the air and over every living thing. No, no, no one else, no animal on the earth has dominion, none. There's not an animal out there that has created a store and there's not a squirrel in the woods anywhere 
that has stored up nuts to sell during the winter because his friends are being lazy. There's no such thing as an entrepreneurial squirrel. He gathers for himself, and that's all he does. But man was made in the image of God. Now, what that means is that man is a spirit, and God is a spirit, and God said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. So that means, now let's go back to the, the way God made the earth now. He didn't, he didn't put houses in the garden, but he put wood in the garden. He didn't put jewelry in, but he put gold and diamonds. You want a ring? There's some gold over there, and there's some diamonds over there, and you're going to have to go make it yourself. But he gave man, now think, I want to say something to you right now that's going to kind of blow your mind a little bit, because everybody seems to be enamored with Elon Musk. Elon Musk is very smart, but he's not very wise because he don't know Jesus. But Adam was so smart that he named every animal and remembered their names. That's smart. That the second Adam was just as smart as the first one. That's the reason why you couldn't trip Jesus up. I mean, he had his whole Bible memorized frontwards, backwards, and every way left to right. He, he, he forgot more than anybody else ever learned. By the time he was a teenager, he's in the temple blowing their minds because of his mind. God's original design for a family was for you to think, walk, talk in the same realm he does. And the more you fellowship with him, the more you will become like him. And the more you don't fellowship with him, the more you act like you ain't got no sense. I just described carnal Christian verses. So, so let's, let's back up here and talk about denominations a minute. Boy, I'm going to get in trouble now. Boy, glory to God. Are they saved? Yeah. They're going to heaven? Yeah. Are they dumb? Yeah. If you're not going to get any more out of God than you're drawing near to him to get. If you're not asking, he ain't giving you anything. So you have people that go, all I want to do is go to heaven, and that's what they get, and it's all they're ever going to get is go to heaven. But, you know, I was reading Jesse's book the other day. Lisa and I read it after Justin was preaching, and then we went and watched the video. You know, there's robes in heaven, and they all have different ranks. There's people that can walk in the throne room of God, and there's people who can't. I mean, if you just want to be ignorant all your life and forever, then just stay ignorant now. Just, just stay ignorant. But the key is you're going to have to draw near to God because it is the Spirit of God that gives you wisdom and knowledge. I mean, he wrote the Bible. He ought to know it. And so the more you know, so the Holy Ghost, the more you walk with God, the more like him you become. No other way to do it. Boy, that's so good. I'm going to tell you that. God was designed by, God designed Adam to walk with him. Now, in case you want to know what happened to Adam, Adam was not deceived, but Eve was. So what did Adam choose? A naked woman over God. He's going, God, 
Mm, yeah, she that. She's hot. Now, I want you to think about how many men today will choose a woman over walking with God and a woman choose a man over walking with God. I'm going to tell you something, not good. I mean, Adam, if I was Adam, I'd have said, can you, do, can you make another one? <laughs> no, no, I don't know what I'd have done. I mean, I, I, I'm, just, I'm, just messing, I'm just messing around now. I should just be quiet. <laughs> go, go, go to Psalm 8. <laughs> Again, we're going to get into a Hebrew word here, and I'm going to prove to you I'm right if you have a Schofield reference Bible or anything along those lines, okay? Romans, Psalm 8. Verse 3, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. In other words, you, you did quite a job. I mean, there you are, you are God. There ain't nobody like you. What is man that you're mindful of him? Now, he's talking about knowing man as a, a, all men are lost. So you would look at a lost person and go, what is it about this thing you like? People that don't walk with God, they, can, they are all acting like Lucifer. I mean, politicians, I mean, Washington's full of the devil. And that's not just, I'm not just saying that to be cute. His kids are running the country and the world, are attempting to, to keep Jesus from coming back. And it's not going to work any more than the last time they tried to stop him. He's out there going, I don't think y'all are going to pull this off. And we should be laughing with him. What is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? What is this thing that you have, God, about people? He's never redeemed a dog, a cat, a chicken, but people, he came down and became a man. Had to be a big deal. Because we are his crowning glory and the devil knows it. I mean, we need to meditate one day on how much God loves you. Just how much. And the devil tells you, he don't give a rip about you. Well, if he doesn't, he sure paid a high price for the stupid you your mother told you. you. Your mother's wrong. God don't have no junk. He does not. Listen, when, when you go to the store, you go out and buy a car, you go out and buy a house, you always look and go, do we want to pay that much money for that? You do it when you buy rings. Well, I'm talking to ladies. You do it when you buy shotguns. Is that worth $500? That's worth $1,000. That's worth $2,000. You know, my boys, when, when Lisa, I bought her a ring, and, and she showed it to the boys, and they said, oh, that's stupid. It don't even make noise. It doesn't shoot. It doesn't make any noise, and you can't play with it. I wouldn't have one. All three of them decided that that was a dumb investment. I said you could have bought a jet ski. Got a jet ski. 
or a motorcycle or a go-kart or a swimming pool, but not a rock. But now apparently Lisa thought, come on ladies, you got to help her out a little bit, thought that that was worth something. Or she wouldn't have asked for it and asked to spend the money. So what are you worth? What did he pay? How valuable is his blood? One drop. It's the blood of God. And he did it for you and you think you're nothing? Come on, the devil's a liar. Now, let's talk about a sinner right now. Did he die for them too? Could it be he loves them? Could it be we should? Yeah. No one said you had to like them. I don't like what you're doing, but God sure loves you. And leave them alone. I was witnessing to a guy one time in Tulsa, and I was telling him about Jesus, and, and he said, well, you know, Mary was a, well, a tramp, and Jesus was a bastard. And boy, he made me mad. I had never heard anybody say that before in my life. And I walked away, and I went, God, I'll whoop that guy. If you want me to, I'll take him out behind the building, and I'll teach him some manner. You know, every once in a while, the old man climbs back up, you know, starts talking to me, going, just beat the mud out of that dude. God will forgive you. God will even understand. And the, Lord, and the Lord said to me, the Lord said to me, he's going to spend eternity in hell. Why do you want to make his life miserable? He said, I'm blessing him because I love him, even though he is going to go to hell. If God loves a sinner that much, I wonder how much he loves you. That's good preaching. Sometimes we need a good revelation of, of just how much he loves us. That he would leave heaven, take on humanity. He's in a body forever. The cross wasn't the end. He's got holes in his hands forever. He's, a, he's, he's, he's the mediator between God and man forever. He'll never go back the way it was before the cross. He's stuck. So you can go there. That's a hunk of hunk of burning love, folks. That's just a lot of love. All right. Now look at this. What man, what is man that you're mindful of the son of man? You made him a little lower than angels and crowned him with glory and honor. And I want you to look on the side of your Bible over there at Psalm 8, verse 5, and it says Hebrew, H-U-B-E-L-O-H-I-M. What is the Hebrew word Elohim? God. They didn't have the backbone to translate it. They did. They did in yours? Yes. Yeah. You made man a little lower than who? He made us as much like himself as he could without us becoming God. In other words, he, is, he never needs recharging, but we do. You're gonna, you cannot live on the earth without him. You were created to walk with God. Now that goes back to why? Why? You were created to walk with God. Any, anything outside of that, you are a miserable person. 
and you'll never, listen, God did not leave you alone. You're not down here trying to just make it through the heat and the cold until the day you die and go meet him. You're to meet him and walk with him now and obey him now and follow him now and he'll meet all of your needs. He'll take care of you now. Amen. And out of that relationship and out of that fellowship, he meets all of your needs. He protects you. His angels are put on in charge over you. And you're the apple of his eye. And ain't no, if God is for me, who could be against me? And nothing's going to happen to you that God does not step in and take care of you. If there's one thing the church has missed it, we've preached more religion than we have relationship. The, the, you, you need to wake up on Sunday, walk into church, turn your job off. It isn't God. Your money isn't God, and you are not God. And get on your knees and give Him glory, and worship the. Now let's 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 just talk about Him now for a minute. The children of Israel got all mad at God and wanted to go back to Egypt. But if the manna stopped, what were they going to eat? If the water stopped, what were they going to drink? If he took the cloud away, what were they going to do with the heat and the cold? They'd have been dead in two to three days. They'd have been dead. He was their life and they're throwing fits and complaining and we're talking about the church. Man, you can't even make it two days without him. If it wasn't for the Holy Ghost living in you, you'd be a bumbling idiot. You'd be reading your Bible and going, you don't understand anything in it. Keith Moore one time asked God, he asked him a stupid question and and he said, I'll never do it again. He said, how much of what I do is you? And he, now Keith was very proficient on the piano. And he was leading worship in, in um, what Sharon Praise, what's that called? Healing school. Healing school, praying for the sick for Kenneth Hagin Ministries. And he asked him this question. And like a week later, he walked in and he sat down at the piano. And he couldn't remember how to play it. And he sat there, and he was like, okay. And finally he thought, I don't, I don't, know, I don't, know, what, I don't know what's going on. He'd forgotten about the prayer he paid. And so he called someone and says, come up and lead worship, right? I don't know what, I'm not getting anything from the Lord. And they played and led worship, and he got a Bible, and he opened it up, and, and, and he's got, not getting anything. And he's reading, and he's looking at the people and going, well, um, um, and he finally turned to someone and says, you, you're going to need to take this meeting because I'm not getting anything from the Lord. He said, this went on for two weeks. He couldn't remember how to sing, couldn't remember how to play, couldn't remember one scripture. He said, I finally got scared. He said, how, I don't know how long you're planning on going on with this, but you're scaring me. 
And finally it all came back and he went, so that's how much. Nothing. <laughs> but so why did God make man? He made us for fellowship. He loves his family as much as you love yours. Lisa and I know a person. And we won't tell you who it was. It's not, they don't go to this church, so it doesn't really matter. But they've always been legalistic in their beliefs about God. They've always been very judgmental. Just, I'm going to tell you, just mean, mean. And they had one of their kids got into sin. Got him a girlfriend out of wedlock. And all of their friends shunned him and their son. But they came to his side with compassion. And all of his theology went out the window when it was his son. And he became very compassionate. The story of the prodigal is, is about the father. And what's he doing every day? Looking down the road, waiting for his son. And I love the story the same reason you do. Because he's rehearsing what I'm going to say to my dad. He knows he's fixing. He did wrong. See, he took his inheritance before his father died. And he squandered it. Now, to a Jew, that's a big deal. And when he finally came home, the father's got a robe ready, killing the fatted calf, and he ain't listened to nothing the boy's saying. Father, I've, I, let me see, I did this. And th I know, you just shut up. Someone get the calf killed. And someone get the party going, get my rent, get the best rent, get a robe, clothe this boy, get him a bath, get him a robe, get a ring back on his finger, and reinstated him back in the family that fast. Now, you think that the compassion you have on your family, what do you think God feels? He feels it for every person that you know. You are that important to him. That's why that says that we grieve the Holy Spirit when we don't live right. Because the Bible says he's jealous. Wow, that's heavy. So to answer your question, why did God make man have a family? I don't have time to get into it tonight, but... Isn't it amazing that he only made two and he let us make the rest of them? Let me get into that a minute. I'm going to share with something with you. When he made Adam, his name was Adam. He made Adam in his image. And then he, it says he took a side of Adam. He didn't take a rib. There's no rib in the Hebrew. Again, they didn't know what to do. What side did they take? The female side out of Adam. So does God have a feminine side? Sure he does. If he, made, if he made women, he has to have a feminine side. So the feminists calling God a woman are right, partially. I know that makes some of y'all men very angry. But God made men and women very different. We're to complement each other, not to compete. She does know more about color than we do. And I must tell you right now, 
There, there's blue, there's red, there's yellow, there's orange, there's green. That's it. That's all there is. But Lisa thinks there's like 5,000 colors, shades of pink. There's something about God and this color thing. I don't get it. But when God made man in his image and he pulled the feminine side out, they cannot act and make another human without cutting covenant and coming back together. That's why it's called making love. And we need to keep it as love. Because when there is love, there will be sex. There can be sex without love, but there can't be love without sex. And God, actually, I'll just blow the out. The angels do not leave the room. (laughs) And all the women are going, you just messed up my whole night. (laughs) Close the doors and lock them if you want to, but Gabriel's still there. And so is Michael. I mean, okay. (laughs) But God made man to make a family. And the big and the highest call on your life is to make a family. Not to make a business. We got a whole generation right now that goes, well, you got to get out and get making and, you know, and make all the money you're going to make. No, you don't either. Just go find someone to get married and go, what do y'all, what do you want to do? And do it together. Amen. Well, we don't have any money. Ah, there's a God. <laughs> well, we messed this thing up, didn't we? Well, people in the country didn't because they still believe getting married when you're just barely old enough to. Anyway, never mind. They also believe in replenishing the earth by theirself. <laughs> Lisa's got a brother that lives up in Tennessee. How many kids he got? Nine? All nine kids, all got nine kids now. No, they don't all have that many kids. I don't, they got three or four or five each. And, and I go up there and, and I'm going, don't ask me to remember their names. No <laughs> Way, am I remembering nine kids, four, five, six kids? And so, if I have to, if I have to, I, I got a little thing in my pocket. And your name is Anna, and no, no, Annabelle, and you're oh Annie, and you're Annabelle, you're Annie, you're Abby, and you're Joel, and you're Joel, and you're Joshua, Justin, and you are Jonah, and you. And whose parents are you? <laughs> and they all ask, have your boys got married yet? And we go, not yet. <laughs> They're still looking. They go, send them up to Tennessee. We'll find them one. <laughs> Say, God wants a family. Church is a family. And he wants you and I to take care of each other. And he wants you to love his kids as much as he loves his kids. He wants you to believe that your church should be a safe place for you. Now, when you walk in here, I want you to understand we consider you family. 
No matter where you came from, what you did, if God accepted you, we do. That's huge. I think, I think it ought to be the safest place on earth. Amen. You ready to pray? Did y'all enjoy this tonight? Now you know why God made man. Jesus is looking forward to catching his church back up and the whole family coming back together. Won't that be a ball? We all are going to sit down together one day and we're going to have a church picnic like no one's ever seen before. The marriage supper of the Lamb where they will be serving grits. The Bible says he's going to serve the finest of corn and the heart of the corn is the grits. So, and Paul said, I spare in tongues more than y'all and we know he's southern. So we know there's going to be grits at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And there will be lamb chop. Amen. Let's pray. Let's just pray. I'm already in trouble. Father God, thank you for the fact that you made a family. And this is our family. This is my family. This is your family. Father, there's a lot of people out there that you love. And their family too. Even if they go to different churches, they're all over the city. But you love each one of us the same. You care about us. You watch over us. We're important to you. I pray that we would have a revelation of how much you love us. And then, and then the second thing, I pray that we'd have a revelation of how much you love the person that's sitting next to us. And, and even though we're not perfect, we haven't arrived yet. You think so much of us, you would have died if we had been the only one. And I pray that we'd get a revelation of that and to love the people that are around us in the world that you died for so we can see a lot more family come in before, before you return to this earth. And I thank you that we are family and we'll treat each other as, the, as such. And we give you the glory and honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember... Our pastor's vision is this, we grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.